How men ruined the world. In this case men will refer to the Adamic strain, the male of the species. We know men are violent, brave, self-reliant, protectors and providers. Men like to be leaders and controllers. They enjoy being skilled and a kind of jack-of-all-trades if a master of none. If one man can do it, most men believe they also can do it and possibly do it better. Men are associated with testosterone and testosterone is associated with violence, aggressiveness, and being a mansplainer. Because we are men, we dominate women and children, often with our excessively loud voices, bad word choices and our testosterone fuel larger bodies. But if bringing home the bacon means fighting with wild boars and defending the homestead requires battles to the death against even less civilized versions of ourselves, being a little rough around the edges seemed a small price to pay. But now we have 911 and Walmart. People see less need of men. A generalized ability to commit violence seems to be less desirable, now we have sublimated it in the form of uniformed men highly disciplined. The capacity for violence has become more of a career choice than a necessary attribute if one wished to join the men's council. How else do we explain the almost psychotic fear of a man with a gun? The only viable response to the armed man is to call on the same man with the same gun but now in uniform. We literally could parade a dozen policemen out of uniform armed with AR-15S down the street and cause a panic. And an hour later bring in this same group armed the same gun, but in uniform and see them celebrated as heroes. Men want to be heroes and strive to be heroes collectively and in the eyes of their peers, if not individually. A hero leads and is not swayed by the crowd or by public opinion. The hero does what is right, because it is right when it is right. Heroes are strong, physically and mentally. The hero not only must overcome the might of the enemy but stand alone whether against public opinion or against the apathy of the masses. Heroes and would-be heroes are attracted to the imagery of the cowboy and gangster as well as the war hero, because these are men who did not travel the beaten path of convention. The hero makes his own rules. Heroism is a problem for those who wish to follow the rules. The individual who breaks ranks and runs the order to stop is a hero or villain, depending on those who are tasked with maintaining order. Were those who got vaccinated against COVID heroes or co-conspirators, it is impossible to know until the future tells us who was who. The man who was a hero during a firefight returns home to become a pariah and social misfit. The world only needs heroes in a certain context. Outside of that context, they may even be viewed as criminals. The world does not know what to do with a hero when he is no longer needed. But the hero is also someone who puts others first, who considers the feelings and priorities of others. The hero in the family is the mother who sacrifices her ambition for that of the father and her children. But she is rarely celebrated outside of her own circle. Thus, few women wish to be heroes. The man who mentors and leads and promotes others will have a far wider circle of admirers than a man who does not do these things. He may sacrifice his career but achieve huge social success, which may become the basis of a political career. Politics is especially geared to turn heroic sacrifice into personal success. 
The man who can make others feel important and listened to can become a dictator. A lot of things may be listed that makes a person a dictator, but all that is needed is the devotion of a large number of persons. If you can get enough persons to answer to you personally, you have what it takes to be a dictator. The key to political success is to make the success of others dependent on your own success. As you rise and gain power, so do they. The difference between democracy and tyranny is the level of dependency politicians have on the central figure. Democracy proper attempts to make a politician dependent on the people for his or her position and power. But when the key posts and the real power depend on the felicitations of the central authority, a great part of your portfolio will concern your devotion to the leader. This autocratic tyranny hidden behind a veil of democracy is very much part of the Canadian system. The prime minister is the elected autocrat and his cabinet his dogs. One fawns or is relegated to a backbench. Trudeau the Younger, as is the case with so many autocrats, got his position through optics and retained it through dogmatic tyranny. Men are well-suited for organizations such as the army, because they understand graduated hierarchy. Men can give and get power. Power is like a commodity. It is not just that the organization can vent its collective anger on the enemy, groups can wage war against opposing cliques in the same nation or army. This is visible in gangs. The gang is a unit of power that attempts to rise to greater heights as a unit. Businesses take on this same hierarchy. The business headed by the owner and his chief executives seek more and more control over the economy. The relative positions of the team leaders remain intact. It is their power relative to the power of the competition that changes most dramatically. Women are better suited for flatter organizations and therefore often find themselves alienated when entering the competitive world of the army and upper management. It is, however, the gang mentality and the war of all against all that has led to great technical advances. But it has also come with disastrous social policy. Competing gangs will produce advances in weapons design and wars. It is not likely to show compassion for those left behind. But the compassion of women comes at the expense of the ruthless cutthroat competition that permits one man to emerge and lead an era of change. The church is an alternative paradigm. But as the alternative social organization, it is incompatible with the woke reformation that stunts the modern church of the West. The issue with theocratism is that it presupposes God. The problem with the God hypothesis is that it cannot be reconciled with any of mankind's suppositions, such as the one which permits humans to own assets. None of this would even matter if the idea of God did not cause a power shift from mankind to God. To entertain the idea of God as a theocracy must mean God is the rightful owner of all assets, not the state, not private individuals or capitalists. Without ownership there is no power. This is why the divine right of kings was actually a divine right to all property. With God mankind has no claim to power. Slavery was less about the ownership of a person than about the ownership of all value produced by the labor of the slave. Had the slave produced nothing and was under no obligation to produce the products of labor, slavery would never have existed. 
Therein is the dilemma, if man believes in God he cannot believe in his authority over all property. Without ownership of what does not belong to him and to which he has no claim, mankind's power is as illusory as King Canute's power over the incoming tide. If this is true, then the church and secular man have a problem that is not reconcilable. The central problem for the church is now how to convince sinners God exists, it is how to deprive man of his ownership claims over the assets that belong to God? The church that does not deprive fallen man of his unjust claims to what belongs to God is a church that is aligned more with liberalism than scripture. Jesus touched on this in the Gospels. He told the rich young man to sell off his possessions. But the issue of man profiting from his ill-gotten wealth was touched on in several other places as well. The point is man does not own anything natural. We add value to the world, but we do not own that which we added value to. We are trustees and stewards, not owners. We own what we create, but this is equity. God owns what he created, what he created and owns is what we know of as the assets of the natural world. All persons must sell these assets to the church to divest themselves of what does not belong to them. This is the only way for man to divest himself of the power that is not his. We call this the a priorian reformation. Assets are donated to a trust set up by the local church. The church issues currency units based on the equity created by the donation. This currency is called prefers as a contraction of preferred shares, designated by the symbol. The church becomes the owner of record for all commercial assets, otherwise things remain much as before, the human owner takes on a new title with pay and benefits provided by the trust. All pay and payments are made using prefers. The a priorian reformation creates a sustainable local economy focused on works of faith done by the church. This builds the church as the people of God doing the work of God. The a priorian reformation divests the fallen world of what does not belong to them and puts man in line with the teachings of Scripture. 